It's so good to see you all. We welcome you to Providence. My name is Jacob Armstrong, one of the pastors here. And there's this uh, interesting moment at the um, sort of at the beginning of the Bible where David is a shepherd and is then told he's going to become king. We're going to be looking at something that this David shepherd king uh, wrote all summer long. It's called the 23rd Psalm. And uh, we've got a video of some folks actually that are even in this room who've put together their hearts and their voices. So I want you to hear the word of God this morning, the scripture uh, from you all. It'll be up on the screen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Yeah, big job, guys. I see a bunch of them in here right now. So we've already seen it, but the Lord split the sea so the people of God could go from a place of danger to safety. Uh, the reason they were there is because they were once slaves in Egypt. God had released them, and then no sooner had they been released, they thought they were dead. But God split the sea. They walked through now into the wilderness, and they thought they'd die in the wilderness. But instead, God brought them out of the wilderness and brought them into the promised land. So the Lord took them out of slavery, through the sea, through wilderness, and into the promised land. There's this moment in the Scripture where the people of God, the elders of Israel, come and stand before Samuel. Samuel's the old, great priest. Samuel's the guy who hears on behalf of the people and takes what they say to God. And so they come and stand before Samuel. And this is what they say. They say, Samuel, we want a king. And Samuel's like, he sort of reminds, you know, reminds of the story. The Lord led us out of slavery. The Lord led us through the sea. The Lord led us through the wilderness. You're asking for a leader, for a king? We have one. They said, we want a king. And so Samuel goes before God and tells God that the people are asking for a king. And in one of the saddest verses, I think, in the Bible, we hear God say, they have rejected me as king. But, Samuel, I'm asking you to go and tell them what will happen if they get a human king. So it's sort of like one last shot, right? And so what Samuel goes back and tells them is what God told them to say, and that is oftentimes a king who's a human becomes a bad king. And that king will claim your rights as his rights, the king will claim your sons as his sons and put them into battle. The, the king will claim your daughters as his daughters and they will have to serve in the palace. The, the king will claim your grain and your cattle and your donkeys. He lays it all out to them and the elders of Israel say to Samuel, we want a king. And so God gives them a king. The first king of Israel is named Saul. And he was chosen because he looked like a good king. He was a good-looking guy. He was tall. He was strong. He was good-looking. And so they said, that looks like a king. So Saul became the king. And no sooner had he kind of become a king, was a good king, he became a bad king. And so the uh, Israel's desire to have a human as king experiment fails miserably right from the get-go. And God decides that even before uh, 
Saul dies, that they need a new king. So this isn't usually how kings happen or pass in their kingdoms. Usually a king dies and you get a new king. God is saying, Saul's such a bad king, I gotta find a new king. So if you're reading in 1 Samuel, you would see that Samuel has just given his uh, retirement speech, his farewell address. They had the party, like with the cookies and punch and all that. And God comes back to Samuel and he says, I need you to go and find a new king. God calls Samuel and asks him to do something even after he's retired. Retired people, I'm looking at you. So Samuel has to muster up the energy, and God tells him that you will go to Bethlehem. This is before Bethlehem's a famous place. You'll go to Bethlehem, and there you will find Jesse, and one of Jesse's sons will be the new king of Israel. I know it's a lot of names, but hang with me, okay? So Samuel goes into Bethlehem, and the people of Bethlehem are terrified. Why has great Samuel come to bring a word from the Lord to us? And so Samuel comes, and he stands. He knows that one of Jesse's sons is going to be the next king. And so he looks, and he sees Jesse's oldest son. His name is Eliab, and guess what? He's good-looking, he's tall, and he's strong. And Samuel thinks, whew, this is going to be easy. And Eliab comes and stands before Samuel. In this moment, the village is gathered around them, and God says to Samuel, not this one. Samuel looks around. He sees another son of Jesse. This one's name is Abinadab. Abinadab's pretty strong, pretty tall, pretty good looking guy. Abinadab comes and stands before Samuel and God says, not this one either. A third son, Shema, is pulled out of the crowd and Shema stands before Samuel and God says, not this one. Seven sons of Jesse come and stand before Samuel, and God says, not this one, not this one, not this one, not this one. And then in what I think is one of the funniest verses in the Bible, Jesse says, I mean, Samuel says to Jesse, he asks him, do you have any more sons? Jesse says, I have one more son, my youngest son. He's way out in the fields watching the sheep. David. And so Jesse's sons, David's brothers, run out into the shepherd's field outside of Bethlehem. There is David, not even yet a teenager, laying in the grass. We picture him. And his brothers are running up saying, David, David, Samuel has come to our father's town. David jumps to his feet. Samuel has come to our town. And they say, David, he's asking for you. David runs from the shepherd's field all the way back to the village. He comes and he stands before great Samuel, his heart beating out of his chest, sweat running off of his freckled brow. And Samuel hears God say, this is the one. And so Samuel takes this, what they called the great horn of oil. It was housed in the sacred house of worship of the Jews. And he takes and he pours the whole horn of oil over the 12-year-old's head. And oil drips off his nose and down off his chin. And the people of Bethlehem stand around in the presence of the new king of Israel, a shepherd boy. Now, it's a long story how that boy becomes the king. You can read that story in First and Second Samuel. There's giants slain. There's hiding out in caves. There's near-death experiences. There's battle. It's amazing. But that boy grows into the king, 
and, oh yeah, is a songwriter, by the way. And he writes one of the most famous songs the world has ever heard and is still one of the most known, memorized, remembered songs that's ever been sung. And in that song, this is how David starts his prayer. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. So David, who was a shepherd, is raised up to be king, but always keeps in mind that God is the king. And he calls that king a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so this uh, line is the first line of what's known to us as the 23rd Psalm, which means it's number 23 in a list of 150 Psalms in our Bible, which is a book in the Bible right in the middle. Uh, they're poems, songs, prayers. It's an ancient song book that's still housed right in the middle of the Bible. But the 23rd Psalm is by far the most known and the most famous uh, psalm of them all. And we're going to spend all summer studying David's prayer, David's song, the 23rd Psalm. It has for us, I believe, the promises of God that we need for our life right now. And so I'm inviting you to spend your whole summer with this psalm, to hear it, to say it, to memorize it, uh, to pray it. But what I want to be clear about up front is that I'm not inviting you to just spend a few moments with a nostalgic part of the Bible to inspire your heart, to warm your heart for a moment. I'm cool with that. I'm fine if that happens. But what I'm interested in is what did David mean when he said, the Lord is my shepherd? Once we hear a little more about David's life, we learn that he's just like us. He knows responsibility. He knows jobs that are really low. He knows jobs that are really high. He knows the depth of pain uh, of life and also the pain that sin can cause, his sin and other sin. David is an adulterer. David is a murderer. David is a great king. David is a musician. David loses a child. David is thrilled with his children. David is disappointed with his children. All the stuff that we know. And I'm interested in what it means when David uh, pins this song, inspired by the Spirit, to say the Lord is my shepherd. So let's get going, all right? The first thing I want to tell you is that sheep go their own way. To study a shepherd, we have to know a little bit more about sheep. We're going to be focusing more on the shepherd than the sheep, but we have to know a little bit more about sheep. And you may not know much about sheep. You may not have been in the FFA. Uh, but tonight, you can get down on your knees and thank God that your pastor was once the president of the Mount Juliet chapter of the FFA. Not everybody has that, okay? This church doesn't have everything, but it has, it definitely has that. So sheep, someone who knows a lot about sheep could tell you that sheep are stubborn, they need constant supervision, they always need guidance, and they go their own way. So a shepherd must stay close. A shepherd stays close. Just let that sink into your heart, okay? We're gonna have some real simple, but I think powerful stuff for the summer. Just let that sink into your heart, that God is gonna stay close to you. That God is gonna stay close to you, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how you feel right now, God is close and God will stay close. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. He doesn't just show up when we're shining and doing our best. The Lord is close to us. As I'm uh, growing as a, a parent of three children, you know, you learn things. And one of the things I've learned, I think, is, uh, you know, maybe the best thing that a parent can do is stay close. You know, just, just stay in it and stay close. You know, I think that applies to age five, to age 15. And I don't know anything about what's past age 15. Y'all are going to have to teach me that, okay? But I know that a parent has to stay. I have great parents. 
I've, all, I've had great parents. I feel like my life, you know, like I started on second base or something because, because of how great my parents is and what they have afforded uh, to me. I can't really, though, think, I don't really think back and think there was this one extraordinary thing that they did. Really, they just stayed close, right? They've stayed close. I live next door to my parents. So like, we're, we're big on this. Like, I stayed close. I think they probably had bigger dreams for me that I might go further in life. But I literally asked them, you're gonna use that grass back there? I might build a house. So um, like, when I walk to my mailbox, I see my parents on their porch. I'm like, hey, mom and dad, what y'all eating? <laughs> Looks like there's a lot. Looks like there's plenty, right? Hey, girl, you know, yeah. We're, we're really close. But what if we let that sink in this morning? Let it sink in. God is close. God will never leave you. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. God's close to you right now. The Lord is your shepherd. Another thing that sheep do is they get lost. Sheep get lost. It's what sheep do. And a shepherd seeks them out. The nature of sheep is they get lost. Keep in mind that in this metaphor all the way through, we are the sheep, all right? If the Lord is our shepherd, what's that make us? Sheep. So, so we get lost. We know what that feels like. I talked to a mother recently. She, this is what she said to me. She said, my daughter has lost her way. I talked to her right in the back of this room. She said, my daughter has lost her way. And I, I heard the pained heart of a mother who's seeking after her child. The Lord is my shepherd. We lost our daughter Lydia a few years back at Big Kahuna's Water Park in Destin, Florida. We were there, and we'd actually run into some friends from church at dinner, and they invited us to come to Big Kahuna's with them. We're like, yeah. And so uh, we went to Big Kahuna's, and we hadn't been there five minutes. And, the, and it was just like this swarm of people, and the kids went off, but it, Lydia wasn't with them. We're like, where's Lydia, you know? So we start looking for Lydia. We weren't quite panicked, uh, but we're, we're looking around. And fi finally, I see some of the kids going up these stairs to a slide, some of our kids. And so I go over there, and the little boy, his name's Colton. He was at the 8 o'clock service. And so I could see Colton, but I couldn't see up who was up ahead. And I said, hey, Colton, I said, is, uh, is Lydia with you guys? And he said, yes, sir. And I was like, whew. And then I just had this moment, just sort of this fatherly instinct. I said, hey, Colton, do you know which one of my daughters is Lydia? He's like, no, and he goes up the stairs. And so we start searching for Lydia all over. And you know when five minutes turns into 10 minutes and like 12 minutes and 15 minutes and your kid is lost in this place, it's unnerving. So we, we told you know, the management and they put out the alert over the walkie-talkies you know, that a kid is lost and they shut down the entrances and all that. And we can't find her. And Rachel and I, we took two different directions to walk around the perimeter of this water park to search for our child, every slide, every pool, every bathroom, we're searching for our kid until finally I hear, there, I had a security guy next to me, I hear him over there walkie-talkie that they had found a, a girl who looked like Lydia and that I, I needed to go. And I ran to that lifeguard. And I come around the corner and I've got these tears, they're like barely held in the side of my eyes. And I see Lydia standing with a lifeguard. She's, she's brave, she's strong, but she's afraid. And so we get there, I like scoop her up. You know, you can let those tears out. I say all that to say, if I had not found Lydia in that moment, I would still be searching for her. When would I stop searching? I would never stop searching for her because our hearts are, are together, right? Our hearts are entwined in this mix of love and fatherhood and being a daughter and all that. 
You know, David, David actually wasn't the strong one. He wasn't, the, he wasn't the one they said, that's the best looking one. He wasn't the tallest one. He was, you know what we know about David? We're told that he was a, a man that was after God's heart. But even as a man who was after God's heart, David got lost. And so we know that all of us will have moments in our lives where we experience this feeling of like, I'm lost. And so I want to speak to you this morning. The folks of you, those of you who are in this room, I know that you're here and you know that you are lost. You know that you're lost. Whatever that means, that you're outside of where God wants you to be. Um, you may be lost in grief. You may be numb. You don't feel anything anymore. You, just because you're in this room, I know doesn't mean everything's okay. We tried to create a church where people who would say everything's not okay would sit in this room. So we're so glad you're here. But I just want to speak to you if you're like, I'm lost. Here's what I want you to know. God will not stop searching for your heart until you're found. He will never stop. He will never sleep. He will never give up looking for you. God goes after the one who is lost. Connected to that, right? Is sheep get tired. That's who some of us are this morning. Like, we are tired. Sheep get tired, and a shepherd stays up. That's why David was out in the fields that day, because there has to be somebody that stays with the sheep all the time even through the night. There was a famous thing that happened in Bethlehem some years after that. It turns out Bethlehem is not just the place where, the, where the, this king of, of Israel was named, but where the king of Israel was named when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. God went and told, isn't this cool? The shepherds who are out in the shepherd's fields, like the same place that David would have been laying. This is crazy, I know, right? And they were out there watching over their flocks by night because shepherds stay up. I get to be around moms and dads a lot of the times when their children are in the hospital. It's, mo it's mainly moms that I notice. And there's this thing that I see in a mom's eye. In fact, Roxanne, I've seen it in your eyes before when I've gone to Vanderbilt. That was Roxanne and Gracie on the video. And she's just like this powerhouse mom. And I've gone to visit her. And there's this thing I see in the eyes of moms in the hospital. There is this uh, strength, uh, like it's, it's like in the, coming out of their eyes, like this tenacious strength that I will do anything for my child. And mixed with that is this enormous amount of fatigue, right? Why? Because they've stayed up. I'm coming for a 15-minute visit, and they've been up all night. Why? Because the shepherd stays up. And what we're in, inviting you to do this summer is to begin to see the heart of God like the heart of a shepherd, like the heart of a, a mother shepherd, right? Who would have this tenacity, this strength, um, this relentless desire to see you whole and taken care of and healed and provided for and uh, a shepherd that will not sleep on you, a shepherd that will, that will stay up into the night. And this last one, this is where David starts in Psalm 23. Sheep have needs they can't meet. Anybody got a need that you can't meet? Sheep have needs. They, there are things that the sheep needs that they can't do on their own. And well, here's what a shepherd does. A shepherd provides. A shepherd provides. This is the least glamorous of the things that the shepherd does. This doesn't compare, you know, to, the, uh, to sort of the, the beauty and the intrigue of a shepherd that would go down into a ravine and take a lamb out of the thorns, you know, this rescue kind of thing. But, but don't miss the importance of what a shepherd does every day to make sure the sheep has what she needs. What I'm talking about is what the shepherd does every day every day, every day to make sure that we have what we need just to make it, 
to be okay. A shepherd has to do stuff every day just to make sure the sheep make it. So David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Another translation says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. But how many of us today would say, I have everything I want, right? Probably not many of us. Is David saying that we won't want anything anymore? No. If so, you know, I'm in trouble. I want all kinds of things all the time. When I wake up, I want something. Sometimes it's to go back to sleep, you know. Sometimes it's uh, coffee. You know, my day goes on. I want patience. I want wisdom. I want to be a good listener. I want Chick-fil-A. You know, it's not always a really super important thing. I want Chick-fil-A every day, even Sunday. I understand, I understand why they're doing that, but I'm, I would probably eat it if it was open after church. At the end of my day, you know, I want to rest or I want to go for a walk. Or I want to spend time with my kids or I want to watch the Braves game or, you know, I, I get into deep stuff. I want my family to be safe. I want them to be happy. I want them to go after their dreams. I have all these things that I want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Doesn't mean that you won't want anything. It means you trust God to provide what you need. I am inviting you to trust God this summer. Some of us have been coming here a long time, but we're... we're we're not trusting God yet. It's time to trust God, to trust God with your heart, to trust God in this grief, you know, just to really trust God. The one who says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, is not saying I finally have everything I want. They're saying I'm under God's care, I know it, and I'm trusting God. That's what David was saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I'm trusting God. It's interesting, people used to, a lot more people, uh, not just Christians, used to memorize the 23rd Psalm. It's sort of this thing that used to be a part of the culture, the fabric of America. I learned this week, I didn't know this, but there were, there were actually folks in public schools that were, that were taught the 23rd Psalm to be memorized. Isn't that interesting? But certainly, most of the people of my grandparents' generation who would be like in their 80s or early 90s, they all knew the 23rd Psalm. They could say it. It's just this thing that was inside of them. I learned this as a, a young preacher. Uh, we often say, I always say the 23rd Psalm at the graveside. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And what happens when I do that is the folks who are in some generations older than me, they just say it with me out loud. They just say, uh, uh, they, they just, they just say it there. And so... Um, I'm not trying to be nostalgic, but I think more of us need this in us. And I'm going to invite you to encourage you even to memorize the 23rd Psalm this summer, to commit it to memory so that you can call upon it, call upon God's word that will be in you. Uh, we made some uh, bookmarks. And we'll have some other things for you just so that you can take this Psalm with you and begin to commit. I think over nine weeks, uh, we, can, we can do this together. Joy Short is a faithful member of our church, and I was talking to her this week, and she told me about her mom. Uh, her mom passed away recently, but she told me that her mom lived for 36 years after the death of her husband. She lived 36 years after the death of her husband. And that every night in those 36 years, she would recite the 23rd Psalm out loud before bed. Before bed, she would say out loud in her bedroom the 23rd Psalm. And so Joy knew that. She knew that her mom said the 23rd Psalm. But in these last few months, as her mom was, was dying, Joy was there a lot. There a lot at night. There a lot overnight. She would hear her mom. Right? Her mom saying the 23rd Psalm in her, in her room. So finally, she just asked her, she said, Mom, why do you say the 23rd Psalm uh, every night? She said two reasons. She said, one, I believe that it keeps my mind sharp. And she said, number two, it reminds me that I'm not alone and that if something happens to me in the night, I'll be okay. Trust, right? The word of God in us 
Calling upon it, drawing upon it, leads us to a place of, of trusting God with our very lives. When we begin to trust the shepherd, we will say, I don't want a human king. God designed us for, for him to be our leader, for him to be our king. David, who was a little boy shepherd, who had that moment where he knew God's calling me into something I don't deserve, oil stripping off his face as a 12-year-old. You're the king. And just so you know, he didn't become the king in that moment. It took years for it to happen. Some of us are still standing in the middle of being anointed and, and wondering when it's going to happen. But then David did become the king. And when he was the king, he said, God is my king. And the way I'm going to talk about him is as the shepherd, the shepherd who comes close, the shepherd who stays up all night, the shepherd who provides all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So we're going to say it together. We're going to do this all summer long. We're going to begin to get this in us. This will be our first go at it. So I want you to, to, to say uh, it with me. And this is like the King James Version, okay? So there's this one word, and it's uh, Y-E-A, and we're going to say it's yay. It's like yay, okay? But it's like, um, it doesn't really mean that in this, uh, in this spot. So let's say it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. It's good, huh? We're just getting started all summer. We're going to let that soak in and see what God is teaching us. Let's pray. God, thank you for uh, the 23rd Psalm. Thank you for David. Thank you for a king from Bethlehem named Jesus who has so much that he wants to teach us as our good shepherd of the sheep. And so this morning, as we come to communion, let the bread be for us Jesus, his body broken for us. Let the cup be Jesus for us, his blood shed for us, and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Let us receive him today. Amen.